Hey everybody, welcome to the My First Sketch Podcast. I'm Josh Hyam. Thanks for checking us out. I hope you subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud. We're available in both spots. Uh, you can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. You can email me at myfirstsketchpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Josh High Foss. Today's guest is DC Fisher, who's currently a member of High Drama. But he's bringing us a sketch that he wrote about 15 years ago for a high school battle of the bands. Apparently his high school every year had a battle of the bands talent show kind of thing. And students would write comedy sketches to be performed in between the various acts that were playing. So a couple weeks ago, we got together and recorded DC Fisher and his high drama uh, teammate, Kurt Reedy, read the sketch. It's called The Expert. The sketch is called The Expert. Kurt Reedy from high drama plays Ronnie, who's dressed as a magician. And DC Fisher plays Ross Hode, a professor who has traveled the world and amassed a wealth of knowledge. So let's go to Kurt and DC performing The Expert by DC Fisher. Ronnie is dressed as a magician with a pointed hat, a cape, and carrying a bloody saw. Simply dispose of the body using only a hefty bag, shovel, and some twine. In a few minutes, the art of the shadow grave. Good evening. For all those who are joining us late, fantastic Ronnie here. Up next, we have Professor Ross Hogue, a man who traveled the world and amassed a wealth of knowledge. He's here today to answer some of the questions you've mailed in. From Gordon Hossenfeld, dear Professor Hope, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Ronnie presses play on the tape recorder on the table. Wonderful. Petey Walnuts of Tuscaloosa writes, how did fantastic Ronnie get his name? He's fantastic. I know because I saw it happen. It's a painful process, you see. His nipples were... Shut up. Shut up. Next, Slappy McAllister asks, What exactly is the sun, and what does it do? Listen carefully, Slappy. Man has yearned to destroy the sun since the beginning of time. The sun shoots out powerful and harmful death rays that would kill human beings. Above all, avoid the Prussians, who are devious rapscallions who came up with the lethal device that is the sun. William, you're obviously a horrible person with no value, and you sicken me beyond belief with your perverted activities. I hope you choke, you sinister, wicked freak. Okay, let's move on. Frankie Pencils inquires, I don't do well in school, and I don't have hobbies or interests. What can I do later in life as a career? Well, you have a few options open to you, but uh, two of the best would be medical cadaver or one of those farmers that that gets paid not to grow corn. Or maybe you could just kill yourself. That sound you sound like a loser anyway. Suicide, great idea. Ronnie presses play on the tape recorder again. Mannheim Township High School and its subsidiaries do not advocate suicide. Do not kill yourselves. Okay. The next letter is from Hans Van Cornelius. He writes, Why is it winter in the southern hemisphere when it's summer in the northern hemisphere? This question is 
has been pondered by science for generations and has been deemed impossible to resolve. It, in this day, the inconsistency of seasons in the three hemispheres has been one of the most important scientific mysteries. Were you listening to anything that I just said? <laughs> they speak the simple yet beautiful language of the puffins, a short yet stocky bird of the Falkland Islands. These birds, once thought harmless, have taken over nearly two-thirds of South American continent and continue to advance northward to Panama and Central America. All right. Next, there is an email from Janet Steamroll questioning, how do you know when a dog has worms? What are the telltale signs? <clears throat> it barks. Next question. Shut up, I'm the expert here. I have a certificate. He pulls out a large framed poster board with the words, an expert, printed on it, and an arrow pointing to him. Do you see the arrow? You made that yourself, you liar. No, I didn't. Next question. Okay. Dollars, right? Dear expert, where does wool come from? I invented it, but that confounded Eli Whitney beat me out before I could create a wool gin. I did so invent wool. I was flying a kite in a thunderstorm, and I had a key attached to the end of the kite, which was struck by lightning, and the kite turned into wool. What's wrong with you? Why do you keep lying? I'm not lying. I also invented perfume, an aerosol fragrance spray. I recently created an aerosol that fits into an outlet. I call it the Hode Plug-In. You didn't invent perfume, and you smell like a bar. That's it. I'm leaving. You're a jerk, you jerk. Go on. Get going, you chicken. Not even going to stay around to fight, huh? I invented fighting. Ronnie throws something from the desk, but Mrs. Hode... Hey, watch it, buddy. I might just join a club and beat you with it. I'll rip off your head and throw it in your face. Both leave in a huff. Several backwards walking women and men come out with sequential signs saying, please hold your applause until the dramatic final scene. And then I'll walk off. Ronnie comes out and picks up the recorder. I have forgotten the tape recorder. Ronnie presses play again. Ronnie puts his hands to his cheeks with a wide open mouth in shock. The end. Yes, yes, I was. Um, uh, my high school had a, every year there was essentially, it was a kind of a bat, not really a battle of the bands, but it was a, an event where all like the different groups of the high school would do performances and in between those they needed to have something so people put on sketches. Uh, so that's kind of where this came from. So that, that's where I originally started writing for. Um, as far as just stuff leading up, I mean, just, you know, it was a lot of the same things that I think other people do, where it's just trying to meet other funny people and hang out and being able to create something like this. Um, as far as other influences, I was a big Monty Python kid, guy as a kid, as I think a lot of people were, um, just the kind of the pure 
absurdity and ridiculousness. And just that it was British and it was a little bit exotic and foreign to, to you know, a 12 and 13 year old. And just image, it was immature enough that it appealed to me too. I, I do not I love Are You Being Served. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a very universal... Oh yes, I I remember those from and yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I I remember seeing that exact God. And so many years later, uh, Alan says that everyone's just mouthing along with him and doing the, the sketches. Well, I'm like, I don't know that. Yeah, it might not have been the. Yeah, the uh, yeah the SNL audience was probably much much different than. <laughs> Oh, my, I'll say it's got to be Phil Hartman. I, too, I mean, everything that Phil Hartman ever did, I adored between the Simpsons, news radio, even all the little bits and pieces and stuff that he did in movies. But, I mean, just, I mean, he, you, he can, he's the kind of guy where he could be the fifth guy in a sketch and his straight lines would be funny. And still work as straight lines. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, just... Uh, yeah yeah and he would Yeah, 
The, yeah, I mean, the other thing about Phil Hartman is that he, he was, I believe he was 38 when he first joined SNL. He was kind of, he had kind of not established himself comedically outside of that, but he was such a well-rounded person beyond just SNL. No, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I think she's early 40s if I <laughs> Yeah. This one, well this was very Python approach. The reason that I brought that up was I remember Watch. I mean, I'm sure I was like 13 or 14 watching something. Um, it was probably like the like the interest. I think there was a, there was a sketch called "Interesting People" with um, I believe it was. Oh, I want to say pa uh, Michael Palin hosting, and they just brought on all these ridiculous. All the other pythons played all these different ridiculous characters, either for like a page of interaction or just one or two quick little bits. And it was, it's like a, it's like a six minute sketch where they just kind of just introduce all these ridiculous characters and premises and bits and all that. And just all this bizarre stuff all just kind of thrown at the wall. And it's so surreal, but so enjoyable too, because it's just the pace. It just goes along so fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there, I mean, there are bits in there that I still looked back and laughed at, not because it was so awful, because oh, okay, that wasn't that bad of a setup, or that wasn't the, that bad of a delivery. This was, yeah, this was 2001. I mean, I it would whenever. I mean, it was again all fourteen to eight year old, eighteen year old. So I mean, I remember enough of it landed that I wasn't humiliated when I was like, what? Because I wasn't in this one, even though I was one of the actors for it. But I was backstage listening, and I, I, I was not upset with that, with the reaction that I got because I can. Say, I did do a sketch a couple years later that got audible boos. <laughs> no, not the the thing about the whole performance thing is is that it was literally we had a, like a twelve hundred seat auditorium in my high school, and it would be filled up for all ninety nine percent of the people who came came to see 
like the popular high school bands. And so they were, people could just kind of barely endured the sketch comedy there. I mean, there was stuff that we would do like about the principals or stuff that happened around the school that would get big reactions, but a lot of it was just kind of... More or less, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the other thing was that because the bands had to have the actual stage to set up drums and kits and all that stuff, we could only perform... Oh, oh, even worse than that, we were literally in front of the curtain on a stage. It was like 50 feet wide and about four feet deep with no light changes, sound changes, or microphones. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They were, or just whoever was back there to move drums and and anything on stage that they needed for their sh performance. Yeah, because after my freshman year, a bunch of the guys who did the comedy bits for the show graduated, and I was the head writer the next year and then the director of the whole show my junior and senior years. Yeah, oh my God. No, it was great getting rides from other people who I had <laughs> picked to join the group then too. That was so great. But yeah, I would... I mean, I could. There were like two or three other sketches for the first show that I got in. But I mean, throughout the year, yeah, I would always be thinking like this was the big thing at the end of the. It was like an April show that I would like. Well, I like a half year. We would start in like the beginning of the. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of stuff that we... I mean, again, the other thing is being kind of in one of the leadership positions at kind of an early age, you also learn right away that you have to accommodate all... Not only accommodate all these other people, but accommodate all these other asshole high school kids who you're friends with and who also want a bunch of their stuff in and just kind of learning to what that balance needs to be for yourself and for everyone else to keep everyone happy and moving along. It's kind of the same way now too where we're not paying anybody in our groups. This is just something you want to do and as long as, yeah, you need to keep people invested that way versus however else you might want to. Oh, in, oh, in college, I actually, yeah, um, I did improv for a bunch of years in college as well. We did a lot of Who's Line games and short form stuff, but I also, uh, one of my friends at the time, um, I went to IUP in the University of Pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere in, yeah, it's the Crimson Hawk, which was changed from the Indian, and then when it was changed to the Crimson Hawk, uh, a couple weeks later, uh, it was discovered that there was a pornographic 
cartoon, a comic star named Crimson Hawk, who is apparently the most humiliated and defeated um, superheroine on the market, was her tagline. So that very sadly did not go the way that IUP hoped, I imagined. Uh, alas, it is still the Crimson Hawk. One of my one of my friends in college was trying very hard to make it the Robber Barons, to uh, kind of play into the Pits the near Pittsburgh uh, historical connotations from Andrew Carnegie and all those wonderful gentlemen. But it is still Crimson Hawk, unfortunately. Yes, and. Yes, I'm still actively writing. Uh, one of my friends in college, uh, a guy named Sam Sherburn, who's actually um, a sometime actor in High Dram as well, um, he was in the theater department there, and my sophomore year, they started a sketch group in the theater department. Uh, the problem was that I was an English major, and you had to be a theater department person to be in the group. Uh, fortunately, Sam put in enough good words for me that I was able to get a, be the only person who auditioned from outside of the group and got accepted in. And we did, we, we wound up doing uh, probably about eight, eight different and new shows through my last two years of college. Uh, so, yeah, that was, I was very <laughs> happy about that. High Drama comes in, um, it actually dovetails with the sketch group from college because I had two friends. Well, this, the year, we started High Drama in 2008. The year before that, um, Sam actually, uh, I, I don't want to say scammed, but scammed one of the college departments out of uh, getting a bunch of money to let us do uh, sketch comedy and one-act plays in Philly that summer in 2007. And a bunch of the guys who did the group that summer uh, also the next year wanted to actually start a full-time sketch comedy group. I was a year behind Sam and all those other guys, and um, I was just kind of sitting around in my dorm probably that uh, February, and I got a call from one of my buddies saying, hey, I'm starting a group in... Philly, do you want to join and write for, and you know be the head writer there too? And uh, it kind of went from there. We picked it up and we got a show in the Philly Fringe that year up at the Walking Fish Theater. And after we wrapped up our Philly Fringe shows, they actually asked us to be the group in residency. So, sadly, no. It's uh, yeah, they're they. I mean, they're just kind of they. We is we did a show there last last spring, but it's like for our first two years we did brand new shows every like month. But yeah, it's. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, we would do a cage match. Yeah.
Yeah, that's another reason that we don't do shows in Fishtown that much anymore. Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah, and I'd I'd love to say that we were trying to start some other Philly North comedy scene, but I think it was just because hey, here's a place where we can kind of do whatever we want. What's the fit? I don't know. No, no, nothing. Yeah, I know. We're... Yes. The seventeenth of June at uh, either ten or eight. Seventeenth <laughs> <laughs> of June. Seventeenth of June. Yes, yeah, we um the current group as stands is myself, DC Fisher, Kurt Reedy, uh Jackie Wolfson, who is the tall girl from Minnesota that people might remember. Yeah. Yep. Nope. Um, Sarah Braun, who is the uh, short girl, and uh, Jason Singer, who is the tall, red-headed ginger fellow. Uh, we also have Pete Haliva, who is the resident banjo player. That's right. You had two of the Yes. Where did that come from? For the first two years of the group, we did what a lot of other groups do, and we just kind of had canned music in between our sketches. And then the one year... Um, my, one of my, the guys who started the group with me, Johnny Smith, um, got one of his colleagues from, uh, Philly Shakespeare, uh, to do, she did, um, 80s, uh, power ballads on the ukulele for us, uh, in between sketches for about, for a season. And then we had a guy who did, he dressed as just the uber hipster and did, um, gangster rap songs on the acoustic guitar for us. Um, and kind of, we had little bits and pieces of that. We would use that for about a year. And then Pete Haliva, uh, our banjo player, had originally been our uh, board op. And uh, we were looking for someone else because our ukulele player and our uh, acoustic guitarist could not do a show. And he said, well, I play the banjo. I'm sure I could step in and do it. And uh, from there, we discovered an institution of high drama. And it's really just used to not only differentiate the group from some of the other stuff you might see, but having live music in between sketches that is occasionally relevant to a sketch that might have come before just kind of helps keep the energy up, keeps the audience focused on what's going on on stage, and just keeps everybody involved a little more closer than you would if you just had 30 to 40 seconds of darkness and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we it's, we've gotten a good reaction either wherever we've taken it on the road and in and around Philly. It's something that really has played well for us, and we're hoping to figure out even more and better ways to use Pete to uh, tie sketches together too. I mean, I don't know if it's emulate, but a lot of my influences were stuff like Marx Brothers, um, W.C. Fields, uh, Burns and Allen, um, even guys into the uh, 40s and 50s. Uh, Jack Ben, I absolutely love Jack Benny, both the early radio stuff and the early sitcom stuff. Um, Fred Allen, all that great rivalry. Um, Ernie Kovacs, who was a guy who was a Philly uh, institution for a long time and one of the very first kind of uh, surrealists on television, too, uh, is a great influence of mine. And just the way that he used the medium he was in to kind of alter how you experienced uh, comedy, where he would do stuff like he would tilt the camera by, or he would tilt the stage that he was filming his... The, the bit on by 25 degrees or 30 degrees and then set it up so that it looked like it was straight on and have everything be falling down the table, falling down the set. Uh, a lot of mechanical stuff as well, um, just repetitive movement and phraseology, all that kind of level of wordplay. I mean, a lot of the, the, the early Mark stuff where it's just pure, pure chaos and... They aren't trying to even be on the side of the good guys. They're just trying to make things ridiculous for everyone. A lot of the stuff I write is, it's very much scenario-driven where there's not really a particular message or thought process to what's happening. It's just kind of a, a an odd scenario that continues to tilt and tilt and tilt I think, yeah, I think that there, I mean, I do kind of write for different people, too, and the things that they might like, where someone might do a lot of good physicality stuff, we do that, or songs, or stuff like that, but when there's, there are very purely DC sketches that are, are easy to pick out amongst the rest of what we have. Yes. Yes, I was it's a couple. Uh, yes, you will. I will give you a kiss on the head. Yeah, all right. Yes, and. Oh. Actually, thank you very much for having me on, uh, Josh. I uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, thank you so much for the uh, great interview and uh, ad, 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 ad space, too. <laughs> thank you, sir. DC Fisher is a member of High Drama, and High Drama will be performing at Philly Sketchfest Presents at the Playground at the Adrian, June 17th at 8.30 p.m. 
Joining them on that show will be the new team Honey Bear, who will be joining us from New York City. The next night, June 18th, High Drama is also performing at The Pit in New York City, June 18th at 10.30, with the group New Greta. You can like the High Drama Facebook page, you can like the Philly Sketchfest Facebook page. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. You can like My First Sketch on Facebook to keep up on who I'm going to be talking to next and future live shows. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening to My First Sketch. <laughs>